You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend the next hour talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. If you'd like to contact the show, you can call us at 844-999-9249. That's 844-999-9249. Or you can always email us at the show at Let's Talk Torah at gmail.com. Now, there's actually another new way to follow the show, which, of course, I don't remember what it's called. But if you go to my Facebook page or my LinkedIn page, there is a link, and somehow you can contact me during the show, and you can look at my Facebook page and the show page, all kinds of new stuff happening. Alan is still trying to teach me what I'm supposed to do. Today, special in-house guest. An old friend of my son, he's my son's age, but we could still be friends, going <laughs> way, way back to JCC Hockey Leagues. His name is, well, we know him as Big Sean. He's a big guy. Zish Litman, Zish, how are you today? Wow, Rabbi Jacobson, pleasure to be on your show. And yes, we go way, way back um, to the hockey days and all sorts of fun stuff. But yeah, honor and a pleasure to be on your show. It's really cool for me, as this is the second time I've been interviewed on a podcast. And it's really fun. It is fun. We're going to have lots of fun. Time flies as we're having fun. Lots of important stuff to talk about today. we got to talk about uh, Zish, what's happening in his life, businesses, stuff he's doing. Uh, Tishabov is in the rearview mirror, the 9th of Of. That was last Sunday. Um, now we're getting ready for, which we're going to talk about, a very special holiday considered one of the happiest days in the Jewish calendar. Except nobody knows about this day called Tuba of or the fifteenth of of, um, for no other good reason except that it happens to be uh, Zisha's anniversary. Oh. So happy anniversary! Thank you. Yes. Now, if I really would have been good, I have my music. I prepare music, but I, I forgot to tell him because he's not sitting next to me anymore, and I'm sort of lonely in my room over here. Oh. So we got to talk about that. Um, we got to talk about lots of things in this week's Torah portion. Moses praying 515 times. We got the Shema this week. We got the Ten Commandments this week. And hopefully at the end of the show, in our last segment, we will be joined by Rabbi Jonas and Goldson, as always. But as we say, let's just uh, cut to the chase. So we, let's talk, Zish, we'll talk a little bit. We like to do some Torah at the beginning of the Torah portion. You help me out as we move along. But as we started out, to Bishvat besides that it's your anniversary, is always been known as a very happy day. Indeed. Do you happen to remember any of the happy reasons? Um, there's a number of them, and one of them was when I think a few of the Takanas were lifted on who we could go out and marry. Good one. Excellent. Very, very good. Yes. Um, we talked about it a couple weeks ago that the tribes did not, sounds a funny word, the tribes did not intermarry. Right. And the reason for that was because if there was an only girl or only girls in a family and she would marry outside of the tribe, then the land from her father would transfer to another tribe. Right. And they'd lose their plot. 
they would lose more than a plot. They're losing farms, land. Right. Land was a big deal. They, they didn't want that. Each tribe was supposed to have its area. So that restriction was actually lifted on Tubishvat. Now, again, it sounds a little funny that it was removed. Like, if the Torah says that this is a restriction, so the rabbis can't just remove it. So it seems that the, that the rabbis were able to understand from the verse that it was only for that generation. It was that generation they were concerned. Once everybody got settled and moved in, you could do whatever you wanted. Right. There was actually another time that, be, that fit, the tribes were allowed to intermarry. That was a tragic story. That's uh, We talked about yeah. a couple weeks ago. That story with, Benja- with the tribe of Benjamin, tribe of Benjamin, um, that the tribe was mostly wiped out. And um, there were only men left. There were not enough girls. So they told them, go, the girls go out and dance, go catch them and find them. Excellent. That's one happy reason. Remember any other ones? Um, there's a few that are coming to mind, but you can refresh my memory. Okay. One is that, again, we talked about a couple weeks ago, that in the desert, 15,000 men died every year. Right. They died on the 9th of Av. Right. They actually went into, into open graves. I mean, this is the best way you want to make sure somebody wakes up in the morning. Right? If you wake up, good. If you don't wake up, we assume you're dead, and we bury you. So the last year, nobody died on the 9th of Av. So they figured, must be a mistake. Must be that we miscalculated. Nope. So one day, two days, three days, four days. So wh- why is Tubishvat now they know it's no longer, the decree is obviously over what happened. So what happened is you see a full moon. A full moon can't be the ninth of the month anymore because nope. we're talking lunar calendars. So that was a, a third happening in, in, um, in why it's a, considered a happy day. A fourth reason is that when the ten tribes split off from Judah and Benjamin, so Yeravam, Jeroboam, how you pronounce his name, so Yeravam, about the first king of the ten tribes, he got nervous because if the Jewish people would go to the temple, they would see that the king of Judah gets to sit and anybody else can't sit. So he, the king Yeravam, can't sit, which again is fascinating because right. they were very involved in law. They knew what the law was. So they weren't, even though he's going to introduce idol worship, he's introducing idol worship, but at the same time, he's, uh, he's religious. Right. So it's a very, it must have been, I don't want to say weird, for us it seems strange what these guys were doing. Yeah. yeah. No, it definitely sounds very strange, but then, but then when you go look deeper into it, you find it's not as strange as you thought. Do you want to elaborate on what's not as strange? It's jogging my memory. I I, I apologize. Don't worry. I actually had somebody on a couple weeks ago. Yeah. He's actually from Israel. Okay. So he wrote a book. It's called God versus Gods. I don't know if you saw it. So we talked about it. No matter what, it still seems strange. Right. But he talked about that it was more that the kings were doing it, and they thought it was an intermediary, and they thought this was another way of worship, and they believed in God. They obviously believed in God and the Torah because they kept all the laws. Right. They were very religious people. They had this hang-up with idol worship. But they were, at least for a certain amount of time, they were convinced that what they were doing was just another mode of serving God. So this That's interesting. Yeah, so this Yeruvim goes ahead and he sets up guards to not allow the ten tribes to go up during the holiday season, or even any season, to go up to the temple. 
So later, later, Shea Ben Allah, he removed the guards. That was considered a very joyous occasion. Really? Yeah. The problem was that most Jews didn't go. So it was like, here's your last chance to show you care about the temple. Oh. And you didn't go. So then that's right. the 10 tribes get expelled. And right. that's so I guess it led to that such a, a great story. Also, interesting enough, and it's, I guess it fits with all my themes, um, they no longer cut wood for the temple. Right. And the reason is because you need the wood to dry out. Right. So at this point, if your wood has not been cut, it won't have enough time to dry out. So what? Okay, so what? Okay, so we're not uh, harvesting grapes either now. We're not uh, harvesting uh, wheat and barley. Like, so who cares? Right. So on that, the who cares seems to be, well, if you're not going to be busy cutting wood, you're going to have more time for Torah study. And more time for Torah study. Right? Let's, uh, let's talk Torah. More time for go. Torah study. We're all... We're That's all, what we all want. That's exactly what we all want. Less work, more learning. That's what we all want. Even though I always discuss with people, um, you know, people get older, not like me. You know, I tell <laughs> my class, okay, you went in my class, but I, I always have a conversation with kids in my class. How old are you? These are third graders. I am like 750 years old. So it's fantastic because the kids go back and forth. They want to prove to me that I'm not. Right. Now, this year it's a problem because my son is in my class. So and he it, actually knows how old you are, so you can't play that game with him. Right. But so the one coming in, I think, actually will play along. So oh. I have to see. The one I had two years ago, he would not play along. It just wasn't worth it. It was too hard to fight. I had a kid say to me one time, he says, for sure you're not 750. I said, how do you know? He says, you don't have enough gray hair. Wow. He says, by, by, then another wow. boy pipes out, pipes in, he says... My grandfather is 70. His hair is still red. Now, that's your hair color. So you know that red takes much longer to turn white than other hair colors. Right. Right? So you can enjoy that fact that you won't go gray as early as I went gray. The boy comes back the next day. He says, he read an article. He says, for sure you can't be older than 300. Okay, once he says, I can't be older than 300, okay, so now we know he's obviously... He's really trying here. He's trying, but but the game that I'm playing with, how old I am, I exercise, I eat well, all all this we get into, uh, we we sort of play with them. So, so what was my point? Uh, So when we get older, that was what I was leading into, and then, of course, I lost track like I always do. It's okay. So when people retire... Right, so, so you've been working, so what do you do when you retire? Many people, it's amazing, many people when they retire, they don't live long because they, there's nothing now that gives value to their life. But if you can retire and st- go back to study like you were in school 50, 60 years earlier, so some of these people, their life comes all the way back. Oh, yeah, I see it all the time, especially where I live. There's Because where I live in Israel, there's lots of retirees, lots of old American retirees, and all they do is they sit and learn all day, and these guys are hopping and vibrant as more than you see the younger guys. Something for you to learn from, or me, or anyone else. When I was in Israel, I was in Bayit Vigan, so I went to stay by my grandmother's friends. Okay. So these were obviously much older people than I was. And he would, he walked faster than me down the street. And they were so much fun. They were older. 
there was no kids in the house. Sometimes it was me, sometimes me and my sister. But they were they were so much fun. They were so alive. And he would talk about like the senior Kolel where he studied and this guy and that guy and he thinks he's still a cantor and he thinks he's still it is. It was like fantastic. So you live where? Where where do you live? So I'm based in Ramat Beit Shemesh. Okay, so let's give everybody an idea. For those who don't have a map in front of them, where is Ramat Beit Shemesh? Ramat Beit Shemesh is in, if you want to get technical, it's in Judea. It's in the Judean hills. And it's about 25 minutes outside Jerusalem and about, it's kind of in between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. So for those people who know Tel Aviv, ah, Tel Aviv, Yechaviv, Tel Aviv, or they know Jerusalem, you know, it's it's kind of in the middle. And Ramat Beit Shemesh, about let's say 20 years ago, maybe less, was nothing. Was like just a bunch of old immigrants from, they plopped a bunch of people from all different places in Bechemish. Ramat Bechemish didn't even exist. And it was just a bunch of land. Now, Ramat Bechemish is one one of the largest and fastest growing cities in Israel. It has become a haven for Anglos and who moved to Israel from all parts of the world. And it is ever growing rapidly. They're constantly doing more building, constantly bringing more people, and it's just becoming a very wonderful, vibrant place to be. So, why do you think it's growing more than the Tel Avivs, B'nai Brachs, Jerusalem's, or other type of areas? Because it's a, a from from my experience there. I mean, originally when I moved to Israel almost ten years ago, we didn't want to move to Ramat Beit because the joke is you got you got it's like Little America. So I used to say to my wife, if we're going out there, don't forget to bring your passport. Yeah, but um, because it's a because it's such a haven for Anglo's, it's a soft landing spot for a lot of people who are moving to Israel, making Aliyah, and it. You'd think life is a bit easier there just because people are kind of speak your language. So that's why you see a huge influx of people moving there. Obviously, granted, you see a lot of people moving to Jerusalem, a lot of people moving to Tel Aviv, but also the cost of living in Beit Shemesh is significantly cheaper than you would find in Tel Aviv, significantly cheaper you'd find in B'nai Brak. And don't, B'nai Brak is a totally different world. Right. And Jerusalem also. It's, it's a totally different world. So when you come into Beit Shemesh, you feel more like you're in like a suburb, like more of the suburbs, more of like a, more of a town, less of a big city, even though it's comparable to a bigger city. And so people feel comfortable there. The schools are great there. People are, people are enjoying. There's lots of Torah. There's lots of people doing things. There's lots of, there's lots of businesses. I mean, we run our company out of, out of Bechemish and everybody who works for us is all local. So it's it's a wonderful thing, you know. The fact that I don't have to hop on a spend like forty five minutes or an hour on a bus to get to work when I can just roll out of bed and walk ten minutes down the street, it's a real, real. As my father says, amachaya. Yeah, amachaya. The beauty of the internet, you can right. work anywhere. Correct. Amazing. So just uh, as a just quick, you said that Beit Shemesh is in Judea. Yeah. So Judea is, if I got it right, is that on the other side of the Green Line? No. I actually used to live on the other side of the Green Line. Really? Yes, I did. For about two and a half years, I lived on the other side of the Green Line. Um, and then we moved to Bechemish because we like stuff. Oh, that would be one reason. Not because you have to travel on a on well, a uh, an armored bus or anything. Oh, that was fun. I loved the armored buses. Those are fun. But, um, no, when you live in in, in these Moshavim and these Yishuvim over there, you're, you're kind of limited to a lot of things. And, you know, as you start having kids and you're limited to the type of schools you have there and whatnot. So we're, and then our whole, our whole Kehila, our whole group of the Hasidim were moving anyways to Beit Shemesh. We all moved to Beit Shemesh. So it just naturally made sense. 
Okay, so very good. Excellent. Okay, so now with our two minutes our break coming up. Oh, wow. So now we know. Now we know. Now, I said two minutes. Didn't I just say two minutes? You did. No, I'm just joking. They're talking in my ear telling me two minutes after I say two minutes. That's okay. That That's means it. maybe they're not paying attention to me. I have no idea. You're saying good stuff. I'm trying. I'm doing my best. But here we go. That's what they pay you the big bucks yeah, for. Now they're still talking in my ear. <laughs> but anyways, so... Okay, so let's just take it back a little bit, and we'll probably continue it after the break. Why did you move to Israel? Why did I move to Israel? Because honestly, I was I was here, and I was in after I went after I finished high school. I went to yeshiva for for two years, and then another two and a half years, and I realized what am I going to do here in America? I don't like college. My father said to me, "College is a waste of my time and his money." And oh. if you know my father, it's you know my father. It's it's a sure. very him, him thing to say. And I didn't really know what I wanted. I, I sort of had an idea of what I wanted to do, but I just didn't see myself being here in America. I just didn't see it. I couldn't, like, picture it. I couldn't picture myself here. So I, so after a lot of pushing and prodding from my wife, she said, at first we were going to stay for a little bit, and then we're like, no. And then I was like, let's stay. I had something. I was, I was actually going in to do radio and broadcasting and media arts. Um, I was thinking about it. And then it, it just didn't make sense. So my wife's like, let's just go. I said, okay, fine. So we went, and it was the smartest thing we ever did because we went without any kids. We went without any, any, anything holding us down. We just went with like five, six suitcases, and that was it. But you're still kind enough to come back and visit. Uh... Yes. yes, definitely kind enough to come back because, you know, something you, you, you always got to come back. You want to see what's going on. You want to see the change. And it's a good place to be, you know, you as, as they say, you change your milk and you change your muzzle. So I come here, I do, I drum up a bunch of good business. And cool. See, and now yeah. my music is playing. That's what I was about to say. I hear the music. I see? think it's time for a break. Either they're rushing me out here. Or they're, no, 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 we would never rush you out. You're listening to Drive I'm joined by Z Schlitman and we're going to be right back. Welcome back to Pop That Culture. That's a horror movie. Bury <laughs> yeah. the phone in the fat cemetery. It's got a cord. <laughs> I'm Ben Rose for the Motor City Juke Joint. I'll have interviews with musicians and a playlist curated by me just for you. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Greg Russell Movie Show. When I have a couple cocktails, everything's funnier. <laughs> I still just love that line. Yeah. Producer, director, how did this whole thing come about for you? Hey, how are you? I'm Gerald Valley, and I want to invite you to listen, watch, share my new show, The Drop-In. It is going to cover skate, music, culture, actually all sports. I have some great guests lined up, and it's to inspire and motivate people to make the most of this life we have. Check out the inspiration, the stoke, and the life of The Drop-In with Gerald Valley. Detroit. It's the home of some of the world's most talented artists. It's where techno and Motown were born. It's a city where you can experience raw, untamed rock and roll. I'm Ben Rose, and I'm inviting you to join me weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 for the Motor City Juke Joint. I'll have interviews with musicians, info on what's going on around town, and a playlist curated by me just for you.
And we're back. And a compliment from Zish, who loves my intro, because Zish is all about music. That's right. I am not all about music, but I can assure you, any uh, any bumper music I come up with, Zish is involved in. So let's talk. Um, you're very involved in music. You have a podcast deals with music. You have a web uh, page that certainly will deal with music. Let's take it one thing at a time as we find out who Zish actually is. So you have a love of music. You got into music. How did music find you? So actually, I've been playing music um, since I was in grade five. I started off playing the saxophone, and I've played every variety of saxophone there is, and then I... Wait, it's too fast. Okay. I wouldn't even know what you're talking about. What do you mean every type of saxophone? So the style of music or no, the, the instrument? There's a number of different si- sized and ki- saxophones in different keys, and I've played them all. And I, I started off playing saxophone and then went into drums around the time of my bar mitzvah. I got into really heavy into playing the drums. And that was one of the only meaningful things I bought with all my bar mitzvah money was a drum set. And cool. Yeah. And, it, and then I gradually went into playing guitar, piano, and I find the guitar is more fun. Actually, before you picked me up, I was, I was sitting there doing a little jam. So, really? Yeah, it was fun. And so I got into music, and I like, and I'm, and because I've been doing it for so long, I used to, I know how to read, I know how to write, I used to write a few things, and I'm able to pick up these different throughout through different songs. I'm able to pick up on things that people don't hear on. So part of it, when so then I started, so I had this idea once a long time ago, is it, to produce a podcast to go behind the scenes of the Jewish music and entertainment world. So growing up, I used to watch these MTV and VH1 behind the music, and I thought it was really cool because you get a better understanding of these artists of who they are for the good and for the bad. Also, okay. So, but there was no one really doing it in the Jewish world. There was all these little fluff pieces in the magazines and things like that, but it wasn't really getting into, as we say, the kishkas of it. And so. Uh, what was it about a year I had this idea I kept playing over and about a year ago um, to the almost to the date I teamed up with a very well-known producer in the music industry his name is Shirley Meyer he's based out in Florida and he runs a radio station called Zai Radio and he was looking for some original content for his radio station so I said dude let's do this and the the podcast was born. I sat down. I figured out. How, I, I got taught how to podcast by a very good friend of mine, um, Nachum Kligman, also known as the Firm Entrepreneur. You can find him on LinkedIn. And it, free plug. Yeah, free plug for my buddy. <laughs> and so he taught me how to podcast. And he and we sat and I wrote wrote everything up. I recorded a bunch of episodes. It took me like maybe four hours to record my episode zero because I didn't know what I wanted to say. I didn't know how to explain what we were doing. It took me like four hours, a bajillion and one takes to do it, but I did it, got it done. And ever since then, like we've been, we've been flying through the, I'm up to 40 episode 45. We're in season two. We have over 60,000 listeners on a regular basis. Um, when we don't, we don't have a show, people email me like, where's the show, man. And, Part of what we did to broaden that reach was I connected with a lot of these major Jewish sites and I said, "Hey, listen, you want more free, you want more content for your site, filler content, free content? Put my show on. Doesn't hurt you, doesn't harm you, helps me." And they said, "Sure, let's do it." 
So we broaden our reach that way. And also, Go Simcha, the podcast, it stems from our website also, gosimcha.com. We created this hub for event vendors in the Jewish and mitzvah space. Similar to, if any of your listeners know about what the Knot and Wedding Wire is, we created a niche-specific site for Jewish vendors. And the podcast actually also acts as a source of traffic for our, for our, for our site, helping bring more people to the site, helping bring more people and more listeners and users to our site. Um, and because that's what my background is, is in marketing and media. And so all that combined, we also even then create our media company, GS Media Solutions, where we help p- people have a better understanding of their business so, that, so they can effectively market themselves. And we work with clients in all different niches. We've definitely worked with a lot of Jewish ones because we've shown them that advertising in the Jewish world, the traditional route, isn't very effective. And we can show you how to do it, do it better. So we've taken all these skills and all these things we've know, we know how to do and all my creative things that I've worked at over the years, and we put it all in one bubble, and that's what, that's what we're doing all out of Israel, all out of Bichemish. Amazing. So all the mothers that are nervous that their kids are banging around making noise on their drum sets, yep. um, from there you can go and create your media company. The, exactly. Amazing. Well, that's so, exactly it. Three things we got to make sure we're clear here. So first of all, you have a podcast. Yes, I do. So just remind me again, the name of the podcast is? It's called Go Simcha the Podcast. Go Simcha. So that's why we love Google. Just type in Go Simcha, mm-hmm. and you'll have Zish right there. And th- at this point, the main goal of your podcast is? The main goal of our podcast is just is to entertain, to give people better insight to the Jewish music world. I mean, I, I look at it as my outlet of fun. Thank God I'm busy all day. I don't really have much time for fun. So every Tuesday night at 9 p.m., we do our, we do our recordings, and that's my fun. But you don't. You're not doing it live. No, That's we don't. I don't. I don't do them live. Not at this point. We're not as cool as you, Rabbi. We don't. We don't have a really cool studio where we do these things live. We kind of got a little cubicle with a with a with a little sign in the background. But you know, it it, it does the trick. It works. Thank God. See, on live, it's it's the beauty of live is you can make mistakes and people forget to correct you. For example, no. um, I kept saying over and over again, the holiday coming up tomorrow is Tu Bishvat. That's wrong. No. It's Tu of. Thank you, Zisha, for correcting me. At My least pleasure. <laughs> during the break. The 15th of of is this special holiday, by the way, equal to Yom Kippur, which in mm-hmm. itself is something interesting we'll try to get into. But I said Tu Bishvat probably a dozen times. And that's not what I meant, but that is what I said. So the beauty of live is we can't go back and fix it. So we make mistakes, we lose our trend of thought, and we keep going anyways. Okay, so that's what we'll try to remember the Yom Kippur part. We'll get back to it. I'm just trying to figure out all the things you do. <laughs> you know, it's like an elevator pitch. You had to tell me all your stuff. I'm not trying to sell you on anything. Oh, no, no I don't want you to sell, but we're, we're telling the world. So first things first, that's the, that's the Go Simcha podcast. Yeah. Okay, that's for fun and entertainment. Yep. Right? But, you know, we still put bread on the table. We still work. So you created a web page, which, well, I guess let's delve into a little bit to get a feeling. So let's say, for example, I live in Detroit. Yep. I do live in Detroit. Yep. And let's say, for argument's sake, I'm making, I'm making a wedding in Lakewood in a few weeks. As a matter of fact, I am making a wedding in Lakewood in a few weeks. Hazeltov. Thank you. And I'm pretty clueless. Now, this part is not true. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Caterers, halls, musicians, photographers, flowers. I got to go get myself some. I got to go through a whole phone book to figure out right. who I want to talk to. Maybe I want to get some big time singer to come. I don't even know where to start. Right. So what should I do? So you go to your computer. 
and you go to gosimcha.com. The same name as the podcast. That's no amazing. way. Amazing. Oh. And then what happens? And then you can find, you can go through, search by city, search by category, search exactly what you're looking for, and find all the vendors you want all in one place. Because when you're making a when you're making a simple, you know this better than I do because you've probably made many of them. It's a real headache, or as we say in Hebrew, a balagan. And when you can simplify the planning process, it makes your life easier, saves you time, saves you the headaches. All you have to do is sit back, write the check, and enjoy the simcha. Ah, what a great idea. The writing the check part, I'm getting very good at. The rest yeah. is my wife's responsibility. Today was the photographer she's talking to. But, you know, what I, again, I, we, I looked at the webpage a little bit. I didn't delve into it. But I need a photographer. There's six photographers here. So... How do I? Does your webpage help me out to know at least uh, whether they have references, whether they have prices, whether they tell me what they do, who they do, what they do? Yeah. How deep into each year's so, end does you get? So each listing, as mentioned, you might, we have six photographers. We're actually in the process of bringing on more people as we speak, because we actually sell the listing is a for purchase. It's not for free. We we vet everybody out who is really not ideal to be on the site, and only give people the quality vendors. So when someone's willing to pay the price, we only charge $200 for the year. Cool. And, yeah. And so when someone says $200 for the year is a lot of money for me, one, you shouldn't be in business in the first place. And two, it, it shows the, the level of professionalism and the quality that someone would get with you. So yeah, so when you click on a listing, when you click on a vendor, you can go in and it acts as a mini landing page for that business. Each listing has all the information about the person provided by them. The more we tell them the more information, the better, because it acts as more. It gives you more transparency and more knowledge, and along with Im images, videos, contact information, social media links. Because in the Jewish world, social Instagram is everything. Not really true, but the. Sorry, I don't have an Instagram account. I barely have a Facebook page. But okay. Hashem. And so the listing is all, all, each listing is SEO optimized and SEO friendly. So that way, when someone's searching for you, you'll come up higher on the Google search rankings. And it gives you another presence online, another place online, because that's what people do nowadays. Everyone's searching for information. So if you come up higher than other people, you're good to go. And we've created these, and we've created these listings in that way so that it's easier for people to find you, get to know you. And we also e even create a sub-podcast, like a, a little bit of a spin-off podcast for our vendors, where we interview these guys for about 20, it's like a 25-minute segment, to give people a better understanding of who the vendors are. And that way, when they're, when they're looking to make the right decision, you have all the information you could possibly need to, to, to get and book that guy. That is cool. How did you come up? I mean, it's a great idea. And, you know, the, the beauty of all good ideas mm. is they're so simple. I say, how come I didn't do that? So how come I didn't do that? What I meant to say is, how did you come up with the idea? It's actually a really funny story. You know, you know the saying, one man's trash is another man's treasure? Of course I know that saying. So I was working for another company um, in the Jewish world. I will not name the name. Um, and I was, I was working there for about three and a half years. They weren't making, because of a number of different issues, they weren't really bringing in so, so much ad revenue. And I said, you know, you guys have been around for nearly 20 years. You have a ridiculous amount of traffic to your site every day. You have the brand recognition. You have everything in place. Why don't we create this idea and put it on your site? And they said, no, it's a dumb idea. <laughs> I love that. And I said, why? They said, you could, you could sell these things for nothing, $100, $200 a year. You create, the create it. It won't take much time. No, it's a dumb idea. 
if we're going to do anything, we're going to go ahead and make ourselves a booking agent, bring people on, make ourselves a booking agent, and give p and take a commission. I said, why would you work on a theoretical when you can work on a constant? And there goes the music again. Oh, the music. And therefore, we cut you off. We'll finish this up when we come back for our next segment. Time is flying. You're listening to Rabbi Tzvi and Let's Talk Torah. I'm joined by Z. Slitman. Hold through the break. We're going to be right back. Why are we here? What makes a person truly good? For those answers, you're going to have to take a philosophy class. But if you're more interested in who would win in a fight between R2-D2 and a Dalek, watch Get It to the Geeks. Times we see a guy running down to first base, and it's, it turns into a hobble. Get yeah, umped. I mean, that's the, get umped. <laughs> that, that can't be the same guy. Can't be the same guy. I'll tell you what happened. Good day, Morty. I got the Szechuan sauce. We're at C2E2 with the legendary Chris Claremont. Greetings, my fellow geeks. My name is Jordan Trevilian, and this is Get It to the Geeks. We are here with David Yost, the original Blue Power Ranger. Nobody right. promised you when you bought the thing on PS4 that you could play it on Switch. Well, your, your excuse is garbage. I'm going to pull out my crossbow. All right, sweet chainmail armor. Let's see what you got. Welcome back to Who's Got Chutzpah. I'm your host, Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. And are you ready? Uh, Andy, what holiday is this associated with? Oh, boy. Uh, uh. I'm sorry, that's not the answer we were looking for. Whitney, for the win, can you tell us which holiday is this? I'm I know. Shavuot. No, I'm sorry. I've got the answer. Ta-da! What? My show, Let's Talk Torah, where we talk Torah, holidays, faith, and all the things that help us live our life. That's Let's Talk Torah, Thursdays at 3 p.m. That's pretty good. And we're back. And again, we picked another good song. Zisha's quite familiar. We'll get into a little more music in a second. But let's, let's, uh, we were finishing up about how this dumb idea, your dumb idea, uh, became your dumb business. And now you're actually doing quite well on this fantastic idea, which, uh, which you've taken and run with it. Yeah. So, but I cut you off because we got to the break. So let's let's finish up what you were going to tell me before. No, it's okay. No, as as I was mentioning, that I pitched the idea out to these guys, and they said, no, it's just, it's it's not it's it's silly. Why why would we do that? Let's let's be a booking agent. We can make more money on commissions. Blah 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 blah. blah. I said, why would you work on a theoretical when you can work on a constant? You're constantly generating revenue. You can even charge them monthly. And they said, no, no, it's silly. I said, okay, fine. Well, you know, it's been nice. It's been a great three and a half years working with you guys. You're wonderful people, blah, blah, blah. Shalom Yisrael, have a nice day. Um, maybe five or six days later, I was on the phone with my web developer out in Africa at the time. And I said, Brian, I got a project for you. He said, okay, great. And we created gosimcha.com. 
And every single day, we're always constantly changing it, making it better, making the user experience better, marketing it better. And part of the, what, we, what we tell people is there's a lot of people who tried doing this idea in the past. But they would put everybody and anybody on the site. So nothing was verified. Nobody was like, you couldn't tell if they were legitimate. Some numbers were wrong. We even found on some sites that they were not, they were not even non-kosher caterers on there. And that's a problem. Yeah. So what we we've done we've done our due diligence we've done we've verified all the people we 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 get in contact with all the people we put on the site, and we like we're constantly changing it, making things better, building out new things for people to use. We have a planning tools um, section coming soon. We're working on an app for that. We have our podcast, which is content. We encourage our our vendors to submit content for, that they have because they nobody knows your business better than you. So we encourage our vendors to submit different content that will help not only with their SEO rankings, but it will help with people's decision making. You mean like if I'm a photographer, send them wedding pictures. If I'm a caterer, I'll show you pictures of well, my plates. If we'll I'm write a musician, blog articles. I'll send in, or, or to write articles. Okay. Right. Meaning how to how to find how to how to know the what what like a good photographer. What's the difference between a good caterer? You know, different things like that, and people are into it because it gives them a purpose. It gives them some. It gives them the ability to showcase their talents in a different light. And we we're doing all sorts of things with that, and it's just constantly growing every single day. And we're working on something top secret that I'm not going to divulge on here, but it does have to do with music. Um, and it's something that is I, I I like to be someone who likes to disrupt the markets, and it I've do, been doing this with Go Simcha because a lot of people told me, oh, this is not how Jewish people plan weddings. This, no one's going to use your site. I said, I don't care. <laughs> I, it seems they are using the site. People are using it. How many vendors do you have right now? So we have nearly over 200 paid vendors, close to 170 people who are actually set up on the site, and a few people, you know, like back, you know, they you have to nudge them to send your stuff, you know. But we've made it in a way that, like, once we close you, we automatically send you a form, you fill it out, you send it back to us, boom, you're on the site. Amazing, 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 yeah. amazing, fantastic. Yeah. Once we're talking about music, we all love music. Every time I pull up music, you have right. different musicians. Um, right. And I don't know if you could go ahead and say a favorite musician, but um, maybe this, share a quick story of a story with a musician that you appreciated. Something so, that. Uh, so one of my favorite episodes I did was actually I think the third or fourth podcast. It was with Uncle Moishi, the original original Uncle Moishi. For those who don't know, by the way. Uncle Maishi is one of those children's singers. He has all the little children's songs and the dancing and the happy and the friendly and the and the good character traits. That's those kinds of kiddie songs. When he comes and makes a concert, the kids pack the house. That's the famous Uncle Maishi. Okay, now that everyone knows who he is, go ahead. So with Uncle Maishi, it was it was a very interesting episode because it showed how how a true enter, true entertainer he is, how much of a true entertainer he is, and how professional he is. Because it was coming off after his, he had a whole issue with his former producers and all sorts of things. It was a big issue. And now he's independent. And the way he was segueing each question, and we we're being careful not to step on the toe, being very, very careful not to step on any toes, anything like that, showed how, like, of a, how much of a true entertainer the guy was and how, much, how long he's been doing this. And he was just very funny. He was very lively. He was entertaining. We were cracking jokes the whole time, and it was it was great because like he, and it was funny because I had a story with him. One of my good friends um, was originally from Leeds in England, and his father his father said to him, Uncle Moish was doing a concert out in Leeds, 
And his father has told him, like, if you don't behave, this is when he was little, he's like, if you don't behave, Uncle Moshe's not going to come. Uncle Moshe's not going to come. He's like, ah, Uncle Mo- Bullock's Uncle Moshe's not going to come to the house. And doorbell rings. The guy, he opens the door. It's Uncle Moshe, my friend. He's like, uh, oh, my God. It was that funny. That is a great story. That is funny. But, like, we've had, we've had my other, one of my other favorite guests, and if I can elaborate, was Avram Fried. I had the, he, I guess you call him the granddaddy of Jewish musicians. The OG of Jewish musicians, okay, in in modern people speak, and Avram Fried was also just a wonderful guest. He was very real, very down to earth, and he's he's been he's also been doing this for nearly forty plus years, and he said the funniest line to me. He said, "Zisha, I've been in entertainment for over forty years, and now that I'm on your podcast, I can finally retire." Uh, and did he retire? No, he's he still he's still making music. He's still making music. So once we're talking about Jewish music, yeah. I've actually asked this question. I've had composers on. I've had musicians mm-hmm. on. I've had a guy. If I would have known you play guitar, saxophone, I could have told you to bring your sax in here. Oh. I've, I've had a buddy uh, twice actually come in with his guitar, and he plays for us. These mics can handle it all. And I always ask each of them the same question, and the beauty is they all have different answers. So. We're going for a new answer. And the question is, what makes something Jewish music? You know, I ask my guys that same question also, I, except I frame it differently. I say, what do you think? How do you how do you what do you think of how, the way Jewish music has become nowadays? And so you're asking what makes something Jewish? In the words of Avon Fried, it, it, some, Jewish music is something that has a Yiddish atam to it. If it has that flavor, that Jewish flavor to it, and you feel that it's bringing you up, and you feel the you feel the kedusha that coming through that song, through that nigan, and it's lifting you up and bringing you to a better place, that's Jewish music. But if you feel something is like really hard and bringing you down, and you don't feel that it's being very positive, then that is not something that we would consider Jewish music, and. I have a lot of stories with a lot of these guys on my show that they've told me. I've come out with this song, and one, one, another one of my guests, um, Joey Newcomb, he came out with the song, and he said, the guy called him up, he said, you know, I've been having a lot of problems lately, I had a lot of issues, and it was Arif Yom Kippur, and I was listening to your song for hours, man. And it really changed my entire tone. It really lifted me up and brought me to a better place, and I had a really great Yom Kippur. So it says, it's the words that are what uplift? Is it it's, the melody that it's uplifts? It's the words. It's the melodies. It's it's the. It, I would. I from between you and me, I would say it's more so the the melodies and the musical aspect of it. The words are also because a lot of the words we're pulling from psukim and Torah and different things, but it's it's a lot of the music and a lot of the the undertones of it that really, because music is powerful. Music is something very, very powerful. When we sing Shira, what, and that's one of the many things we keep as a constant theme in Torah is we're singing Shira, we're singing praise, we're con- there's constant music going on throughout Torah. And you see how powerful music is. And it has the power to lift you up, and it has the power to bring you down. And so like, when you have these good, positive songs and you ha- like, that, are, that, are, that are backed by wholesome, like, wholesomeness and kedusha and you're in the right mindset you can see how powerful these songs are but when you're when you're making jewish music and you have and it's and it's backed by like this is my personal opinion nobody take me well that's why i asked you if you wanted to my opinion i I would keep talking when it's backed by like these 
these outside influences, these outside sources, then you can really tell the difference. And part of what, what, what throws a lot of these guys off on my show is that I tell them I'm a musician, I play five different instruments, and I'm able to pick out like the different undertones and nuances of their, of their music. And I can, I, I've called people out on it. I said, you know, this song that you did happens to be a very secular song. How'd you know that? Like, how did you know that? <laughs> and I, I remember, I think it was Benny Friedman. I had Benny Friedman on the show. And he, he has a song called Light One Candle. And I said to him, I said, Benny, did you know, did you know who wrote the original song of that? He's like, he's like, yeah, I do. I said, it was, it was Peter, Paul, and Mary, the famous folk group Peter, Paul, and Mary. I'm sure some of your listeners know who they are. Sure they do. <laughs> And so it was that, that was one example. It's like you're picking and pulling from these types of things, and you can you, you as, have, as a musician have the power to really take it to that level and elevate it and really bring that Yiddish Tom to it. Otherwise, right, so that's what I always wondered. In other words, can I take and it's sometimes it's style, obviously, you have rap nowadays. right. You, you can, oh, he's my friend. Oh, he's your friend. <laughs> so you, you can take a style. And and I was I, I some people certainly believe and I've had people like that in the, in the studio that I can take a style, put on nice words to it, sort of you know put a bow and a mm-hmm. packaging, and I've made it Jewish. Right. So and I'm not getting that feeling from you, certainly at least in your belief system of what makes it Jewish or what doesn't make it Jewish. So the question is, it can. A song that was uh, that was written by any rock band or whatever, and a Jewish artist comes along. Can he make it Jewish, or there's just no such thing? I mean, I believe you can, if, but it's all about how you how you say in English your kavanas. It's all about what your intentions are with that, and where you and and where you put your mindset and where you focus on. And I believe you can, but why why take that and when when you can create your own? If you have the ability to compose, right? You know, it's maybe it's easier, or have others do it for you, or have others do it for you, and then just sing it. Right? I'm sure a lot of them do that. That's uh, okay. That's yeah. not my uh, feel, but oh no, I don't doubt that at all. But I write all my own material. How a big deal? The source yeah. is it is Torah. Which remind you talk about feeling and intent and thought. Right. So I have about two minutes, I think. Oh my! So I went about Shema. So mm. this week, Torah portion has the Shema. So there's one of my favorite stories on the Shema. The story goes, um, when I grew up in Muncie, so I went to, there's a famous rabbi, Beryl Wine, now lives in Israel. I'm not sure if he's in your neighborhood. But um, so he, he was the rabbi of the synagogue, and whenever he went on a trip, he always came back with a story. Like, it was unbelievable. Like, they brought an assistant rabbi, and he tried to say his story, and it just flapped. This rabbi, this rabbi Wine is the best. So he's on a plane one time, and, and, and a man is sitting next to him, and of course, the man starts a conversation. He says, oh, you're a rabbi. Um, can't all Jewish belief be wrapped around uh, the Shema, hero Israel, uh, uh, God is our God, God is one. So if you know Rabbi Barrel Wine, instead of saying, yeah, like, <laughs> yes, and I hope you have a nice flight and please leave me alone, he asks the man, he says, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm an astrophysicist or something like that. And he says, and I could be, I got the title wrong, but it's close enough. So this Rabbi Wine says, isn't the twinkle, twinkle little star the, uh, you know, does that wrap up everything you do also? So that was his line. Mm. And that's where he took him. But, uh, you know, I do think the Shema, I mean, the Shema, you know, we just finished uh, 
Tishabov, the ninth of Av, where obviously many people were killed over the millennium, and, and, and Jews have always died with those words on their lips. Because at the end of the day, um, if I can recognize that there's one God, and he's my God, and I do whatever he tells me to do, whether I was successful doing it or not, but if I can end my life knowing this is who I am and this is what I believe, um, then yeah, I think uh, I think that really does. Re- I mean, simply, uh, obviously, quite simple, quite simplified. But I think that does wrap up everything we believe. Ah, there goes the music. Before I even get a chance to ask for a comment, this is a pretty good song. Anyways, yeah. But uh, here we are, music coming. We got one segment left. We're going to be joined by Jonas and Goldson as soon as we come back from the break. You listen to Rabbi Tzvi. I'm joined by Z. Schlitman, and hold through the break. We'll be right back. Why are we here? What makes a person truly good? For those answers, you're gonna have to take a philosophy class. But if you're more interested in who would win in a fight between R2-D2 and a Dalek, watch Get It to the Geeks. Detroit, it's the home of some of the world's most talented artists. It's where techno and Motown were born. It's a city where you can experience raw, untamed rock and roll. I'm Ben Rose, and I'm inviting you to join me weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 for the Motor City Juke Joint. I'll have interviews with musicians, info on what's going on around town, and a playlist curated by me just for you. Welcome back to Pop That Culture. That's the horror movie. Bury <laughs> yeah. the phone in the bat cemetery. It's got a cord. <laughs> I'm Ben Rose for the Motor City Juke Joint. I'll have interviews with musicians and a playlist curated by me just for you. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Greg Russell Movie Show. When I have a couple cocktails, everything's funnier. <laughs> I still just love that line. Yeah. Producer, director, how did this whole thing come about for you? Still working on Rabbi Yotis and Goldson, and we have some technical difficulties. The technical difficulty being that I don't think he picked up the phone yet. So, we were leaving off talking about the Shema, mm. right? So, uh, you want to follow comments, or I'll just keep moving through the Shema? Your call on this one. Well, the Shema is just also a very powerful prayer, and it I find that when they translate it into English, it doesn't do it as good of justice as you as you do when you're reading it in Hebrew. And I find that when a lot of things like that, when you're having translating a lot of the prayers into English, it doesn't really make so much sense because the Shema itself is like the core of everything. It's like the core of our being. And I remember once a long time ago, I was watching a cartoon, and there there was a Jew, it was like it was in some cartoon in Brooklyn, 
and one of the characters was Jewish, and he's he's on the bus and he's running away from his bar mitzvah, and this guy comes on the bus, tells him, "Say your prayers," and he, he says, "Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad." Even like, and he, he was not religious. It wasn't a religious cartoon. It was, but even like, everybody knows the Shema, and that's how I see it. It's like so powerful that everybody ever, across every spectrum of Judaism knows the Shema. It's amazing. There's certain things, and maybe that's why that's right. what's on everybody's lips. And it's interesting. You'll ask people what you know if they could, what should they end their life with saying. So right. Akiva was famous. He said the Shema, but not because of that verse. Hmm. When the great Rabbi Akiva was being killed because he was that great sage, taught Torah to all those students, and he was being killed by the Romans. So actually, even though it says he said the Shema, but really he wanted the next line. The next line says you love God with, uh, right. with, all, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your either money, or I don't think we have time to get to today, or, or, or whatever midos is the Hebrew word, whatever skill set, whatever talents you have is what you serve God with, which I spend a lot of time telling my class and telling my friends and anybody who's willing to listen. That's my job is to serve God with my talents. I'm a musician. I have to serve God with my music ability. Right. I am not a musician. Mm-hmm. Right? If I'm a famous singer, I'll... I'll serve God that way. I can Correct. sing a little bit. If I can teach, I'll serve God teaching. That I could do. And it's so true because like and this is what I talk about with the guys on my show also. Like we break it down into that too. Is that your your how you your tafkid is like you I say to them, I say, Do you realize how much how much influence you have on people? And that this is your this is what you're you're doing and you you're serving God with all with all your talents, with all your might and everything you're doing and the influence you have on people is so great you don't even realize it. And it's powerful. It's like that famous story that you sometimes hand out at the beginning of a school year to the teachers, where there was a school with ducks and and birds and turtles and rabbits and who knows what. Each one had a skill. This one can run, this one can climb, this one can fly, this one can swim. So they all had where they, where they shined. And, um, a new, and a new administration came into the school and said, everyone must be able to do everything at least average. And I was, you might be a superstar in one area, but you're weak in other areas. We're going to work on the weak areas. So all of a sudden, you know, the birds weren't allowed to fly, and the, and, and the rabbits had to climb trees, and, the, and those that were supposed to swim were on the land. It, it, yeah, obviously messed everybody up, right? right. And was, the goal is to build on what I'm good at. But anyways, that's not the line. The line there would be Akiva was worried. He says to his students, my whole life, I say every day in my prayers, that I'm willing to give up my life to serve God. Am I willing to give up my life to serve God? I don't know. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. No idea. So, but now that it's happening, now I know that every day that I prayed, I actually had it right. So we always have a little segment here, and you'll see it's right behind my right shoulder. We do our letter of the week. Ooh. And is any, yes, my thumb is up. This week we're up to the letter nun. Um, now that I thought of the Shema, I had a different word, but that's okay. We use one word that I picked earlier in the week, and that's going to be the word. So the letter nun is pretty much a, a, a flipped, uh, flipped sideways L. It makes an N sound. Its uh, numerical value is 50. And the word I thought of was nasa. That was what I wanted this week. This week the word is nasa. Nasa means we will do. And Zish is a great example of we will do. We can sit back and just work for somebody and have ideas and say, you know, whatever, I'll just keep plodding along. Or no, 
we can stand up. We could do stuff. All the different ideas, talents we were talking about a, a minute ago that I served God with all my talents. And as my time is slowly running down, um, I always like to end the show with a story, and then Zish will give you the last word, or almost the last word. So um, I heard this story, actually on Tisha B'Av. I was listening for, to something in Rabbi David Goldwasser. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a, an amazing personality. He's a rabbi somewhere in Brooklyn. Um, I think he's Russian. He goes to Europe a lot. So he tells the following story. Yeah, listen to this story. It's wild, this story. So there's a girl in Poland, and she brings in the mail, and it's a death certificate for her grandmother. So I've she heard opens the story. Up. You heard this? I just yes. heard this. I never heard this story before. I thought it was fantastic. She opens up. So I'll correct you if I get it wrong. She opens up the letter, and she sees on top of the death certificate it has the wrong name. So she goes to her mother and says, Ma, they got grandma's name wrong. So the mother pauses and says, no, they got the name right. And she then tells her daughter, you know, I never told you, but your grandmother was Jewish. So the granddaughter, the girl with the letter says, doesn't that mean you're Jewish? And the mother didn't really give much of an answer. So the girl goes out into the street, she's walking somewhere, she runs into a group of teenagers, and they get into a conversation, and where are you guys doing? And it was a group of Jewish children that were doing different stuff. And that Friday, they were going away for Shabbaton for a weekend. And uh, one of the people there said, are you Jewish? And she said, I'm not sure. And um, she, they said, oh, you, you know, it's sponsored. If you want to come to the trip, you can come to the trip. And they gave her the number, and she goes home. They don't hear from her one day, two days, three days. Finally, the last minute, the girl calls up, I want to come. She shows up at... At the event, she goes to every lecture. She goes to lectures that she didn't even belong at, like Talmudic lectures, and she sat and listened to every lecture, didn't say one word. Listened, listened, listened to everybody. It's Sunday morning. This Rabbi David Goldwasser is one of the rabbis doing presenting and probably talking 24-7 by this, uh, by this event. And we're going to quickly finish up this story. And the girl says to Rabbi David Goldwasser, being dragged out, she says to him, Rabbi, um, she tells him her whole story, and she said, by the way, you know, I was raised Catholic, I go to church, am I Jewish or Catholic? So there's all kinds of answers, but this rabbi was brilliant. He says to her, he says, why are you asking me that question? You yourself see all these things that happened. You picked up the letter. You should have picked up that letter. It had the wrong name on it because that was the wrong name. You run into a group of teenagers. You happen to come here. You go to every lecture. I don't need to answer that question. You can answer that question quite well. And the lesson is just fantastic. You know, you open your eyes, you see where the life is. Oh, and here we go. We got to wrap up. Zish, it's been fantastic. No problem. Thank you to our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I couldn't do without you. Thank you to our wonderful production team, Kelsey, Cole, Stephen, Zach. I hope I left you some food for thought. Until next week, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Adam Streamcast. And until next week, don't forget to think about it.